Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Fins Up podcast. I'm your host, Terry, and I'm joined by my handsome, good-looking, absolutely beautiful, gorgeous colleague, and that is Dan Nichols. Dan, how are you doing? Mate, well, after that, I'm feeling quite nice. It's been an um, absolute terror of a night, but it's always good to get a compliment on the podcast, Terry. How about yourself? Look, I will say that... If anything, you were amusing when Sydney trains did not go your way. So can you please give us a rundown of what happened to you on the way home and the commitment that you showed to get on this podcast, Daniel? Well, mate, look, I would have just stayed overnight if I didn't have commitments in the form of this podcast and the, the millions upon thousands of listeners. Uh, look, got to, got to Wynyard, got the train, couple of minutes to spare, and my good mate Jamie reached out and said, Oi, Dan, trains are troublesome on the line. Uh, you best check, but there is a breakdown at Martin Place. So I thought, hmm, it's a bit annoying. So anyways, I had a look-see, and I thought, oh, well, I'll get to Central, and whatever happens, happens. So I rode it through to Central. Jamie did save me, because I would have been stuck at Town Hall for at least 40 minutes. That's how long it took him to get people out of there, like fucking herding cattle, seriously. So anyways, I got the train through to Central, and then from Central I got a train to Hurstville. And I had to run, too. I only made it as the doors were closing. My pants were down. Everyone got a view. It was really good. Probably see that on, um, what's that stupid show, ETV or whatever it is tomorrow. But uh, look, from there, I, I went to get my normal bus. No, nah, cancelled. Fuck you, they said. So I got a bus to Miranda, waited for the train, got it, and then walked home. So it took me about an hour and a half. Terry, but seeing your face, it was all worthwhile. Well... Look, I'm glad Sydney Trains disappointed you, but I'm also glad that you haven't disappointed our fans, Dan. Now, speaking of not disappointing our fans, the Cronulla Sutherland Sharks returned to the Shire for the first time in over 900 days, and they put on an exciting game that will go down as an absolute blockbuster, the return to Shark Park, beating the Parramatta Eels 18 points to 16 in a game that it felt like we never should have lost but we didn't deserve to be in, Dan, and I've got stats to back that up. But first of all, tell me what was it like at Shark Park? We don't need to hear the negativity about the beer lines and people pooping their pants. Just tell me what the atmosphere was like. There was no negativity, mate. Everything was perfect. Now, in all seriousness, the atmosphere was insane. They've got this new shark alarm, and when I heard it, I was like, oh, hands on, head on, like Finn sort of areas. But it was, it was crazy. The fireworks went off. The music was turned up to 11. Uh, the girls ran out with the flags, were doing flips, and the boys ran out. It was it was just incredible. Kick off, people went ballistic. First hit up, people went ballistic. When the sharks crossed for those that early try, oh my ears, they're still ringing now. But it was worth every single painful second. Then Parramatta started getting ahead. Whenever they'd score, there was crickets. There was about fifteen para fans in the stadium, which is fifteen too many. But you know their money's as good as anyone's. But mate. The people on their feet as Nico was lining up that mm-hmm. kick. You know, there were 11,200 people there or something, and dead set eight of them were on their feet with the spirit fingers. And when he kicked it, oh, mate, just talking about it now makes me emotional. Mate, and, and what a game it was. Like, being, you know, I watched the game in uh, in, in, uh, my, in the comfort of my lounge room, and um, just hearing the noise, like, as you said, Ronaldo's first try went absolutely mental in the stadium, you know, and it came through the TV. Then Katoa scores, just comes through the TV. Uh, Connor Tracy's try to put us back in front. T. Wilton's try, like, you could just, you could feel the atmosphere. You could just feel it was buzzing through, but 
Oh, look, what a game. I've heard people turn around and actually call this the game of the round. I can't fault it. No, no, not at all. Now, look, I haven't watched the replay because I, I don't want to ruin the, the good memories I have of being there. But there were people that were saying this This is an all-timer. Like, like, don't get me wrong. It was a fucking amazing game. I was super nervous and I was getting frustrated at the end because I felt like we deserved to win. And for us to not get it would have been very unfair and unjust. But, mate, that... That try right on the bell. Dan Ganane's call too. He cops a lot of grief, but his call of that last few minutes was absolutely perfect when Teague went over. And then you could hear his excitement as the ball went through the post. And he's just, he's got it! And I, oh, mate, incredible. Perfect. Yeah, I, I, Dan Ganane made that game really enjoyable. I'm, I'm an unabashed Dan Ganane fan. He's my favourite commentator. Um, and, you know, he just made that game... You know, when Ronaldo scored, when Catella scored, he's like, it's electric in the Shire. We're back in the Shire. He's one of the ones that really pumps up the suburban grounds. He does. He loves, literally loves being there, <laughs> loves calling from the ET stand. Yeah, he, re- he really made that game, like, even more enjoyable. I mean, I'm gutted that I didn't uh, get to be there with you and uh, Paul and his brother Jaden, but... You know, I'm glad I got to share that experience with Dan Ganane because he made me feel like I was there. Look, absolutely. And just, just a shout-out to Paul and his little brother, who is now the biggest Sharks fan I've ever seen. What an effort. Mate, the people, the people on the weekend were incredible. We went to Northies beforehand because we knew what the game was going to be like, the uh, the lines of the game, rather. So we were well, you know, we were well um, oiled up. So we were ready to go. But, but producer Dids was there, Paul, his brother, of course. Uh, look, all the CWC boys were there. It, it was loud. Everyone was just super happy. And even if Nico had missed that kick and we had gone on to, to lose, which was never going to happen, look, it would have still been an amazing night. Yeah, and, and even Dan Ganane pointed out, in the last three years, Cronulla have lost five games where they've scored more tries than the opponents. And when we were down 16 points to 12, he's like, don't tell me it's going to happen again. You know, and it's like, if it does happen, you know, yeah, what was the win like for goal kickers? Because Gutherson had so many, like all his kicks were either in front or beside the post. What what was the win like, you know, for, for the kickers there? Mate, can't blame the wind. It was still as. It was just, um, I mean, Nico kicked, what, four from four last week. He just had an off day. And it's not like he missed kicks that were easy. They were all from the sideline. But, you know, you expect a well, kicker of his quality. It's funny you say that because Blocker and Ganeem were talking about how strong the breeze was behind Cronulla's back in the second half. Um, and that's because Mitch Moses kicked the ball about 70 metres and they were like, that's a huge effort in this breeze. Can't remember, mate. Might have been blowing a gale. There's too many people there. They were blocking all the wind off. But uh, no, I certainly wouldn't say the conditions were difficult. I just, um, maybe they were. Maybe I'm being a liar. But uh, in my view, no, everything was perfect. Just, uh, just an unfortunate day. Did he miss by much? I know the second kick, he threw the tee away really quick. He looked really shitty with his effort. Well, see, the first kick, like even though the first kick never looked like getting it, it looked like the wind did take that across the face. Second kick was a shank. Third kick was in the breeze. And and then that's why I was like, well, you know, this kick, the, the team wouldn't try. Yes, he scored a 10 in from touch, but the, the commentators kept saying that the breeze is going to make this a difficult kick. Watch out, must have been. We we were too crowded in, mate. There were people everywhere. It's too short, Dan. You don't get the breeze up there. Look, it's potential. I was standing next to some tall people. But, uh, look, we, mate, it was so crowded. It could have been hailing sideways and you wouldn't have felt it. 
That's that's awesome, man. Now, Dan, I'm talking about. I said that it's a game that we shouldn't have lost, but you wouldn't have blamed us if we did. I've got some stats here. I love stats, right? Let's do it. Absolutely love stats. So I'm just bringing my notes up. Just while you do that, sorry, Terry. There is a very annoying cricket outside my house, so if you can hear that, I apologise. But twenty thousand dollars worth of podcasting equipment's been held up. Uh, it's not here tonight. Yeah, look, the only annoying noise coming from your house is you. So uh, I knew that was I knew that was coming. Big smile on Terry's face for those that can't see. Wow. Um, ten minutes into the second half, so we we go in at half time. Oh, right, let, let let's start at half time. Tackle count is. Uh, 24 to 3 inside opposition 20. So we'd had three tackles inside the opposition 20, and they'd had 24. Now, bear in mind, Ronaldo's try came from 30 metres out. So even our try that we scored uh, didn't get tackled in there. And then the two tackles before Sione Katoa's try were the only tackles that we had in the first half. They had 24 tackles in the first half on our line, and the only way they could penetrate us was a beautiful Mitch Moses chip kick and some smart play between Gutherson and Dylan Brown. Ten minutes into the second half, second half possession, Parramatta take the lead off two penalties. Again, they've had 11 tackles to zero inside our 20, and they've had 72% of the possession compared to our 28%, and they've completed at 100%. Now, the fact that on the Teague Wilton first penalty, they took the two points when we were out on our feet. You wouldn't have blamed Parramatta for, for tapping and, and having six more, but straight away they were like, no, nah, let's go you know, go for the two. Huge compliment to us. Obviously, when they, they got the second penalty, um, the, uh, there was there was no doubt in my mind that they were going to take the two points and take the lead anyway because they'd already shown their hand. With 10 minutes to go, Parramatta had completed 92% of their sets wow. compared to our 76. Yep. And defensively, both teams were really even. But off those stats that I've just said to you then, bear in mind Parramatta are a genuine top four contender this year. They were incredible that we were even in the game, let alone winning the game. But when you watch the game, it's like Cronulla don't deserve to lose this. We made more line breaks. We made more half breaks. We made you know more tackle breaks. And we scored more tries. It's just unfortunate all of our tries were to our wingers and the back row were out on the edge. And all of you know, Parramatta's tries were relatively easy. Mate, I genuinely think, with no jest whatsoever, if this game was played last year, we lose by 20 points plus. There's no Probably way we hold them out. The defensive resolve was just incredible. And it all it all came on the back of our captain, Dale Finucan, who ran out, you know, like he was running into a, a building on fire. Like he was just... That was that was insane. That was on the big screen, and, and we were like, wow, in awe. And the, the defense, even out wide, you know, you can be, you know, you run your big forwards at your Papa Lee's at, at the small outside backs. You can understand them breaking through, but Cronulla were not having it. Like you said, the only try that came in the first half was a freaky good kick. Like that, you could see it. It was like in slow motion when the ball went up. Will Kennedy went forward, and you just thought, ah, oh, he's not going to get there. And just, you know, there could have been three knock-ons there. Most times we go in at 8-0 up, but this time last year it would have been 32-8. Now, let's talk about some more stats in the game. Parramatta only made five hour errors to our 10. Parramatta had 16 more runs than us, but we made over 100 metres more than them, and that just shows that all of their, well, a lot of their runs that they had were five metres out from our line. 
such as the disparity in, in the metres category there. Uh, line breaks, we absolutely hammered them 10 to 3. Offloads, 13 11 in Parramatta's favour now. That one coloured me shocked because I don't remember many of our offloads. And I remember sitting there going, geez, we can't let Parramatta offload. And then, you know, they're just popping that ball out everywhere. Um, kicking metres, Parramatta kicked the ball seven more times than us for 200 more metres. That's just because Mitch Moses, his boot is absolutely lethal. Um, penalties were eight each. Set restarts were six each. So very, very even there. I thought it was a really well refereed game. I like that referee. If we can get him more, it would be uh, absolutely brilliant. Less Ben Cummins, more that fella, whoever he was. He, he was the one that had the glowing moustache last year as well. What a man. Uh, yeah, so, you know, possession as well. Parramatta finished with 54% of the possession to Cronulla's 46. If you read those stats out, as you said last year, you'd expect you'd expect Parramatta to beat us by 20 to 30 points. This year, like, on our goal line, I was not worried that Parramatta were going to break us. No, no, me neither, and it's weird saying that as a Sharks fan. Look, our discipline was an issue again. Our holding the ball was an issue again. It's still early. This is a new side. You can forgive that. But when you turn around and you defend your line for what felt like the first 20 minutes, and then we only really got possession in the last 15 minutes. So, mate, hats off to the boys. It was an incredible effort from, you know, almost all of them. That last 15 minutes from Cronulla and especially Nico Hines, some of the best ball play... Like, that, that ball that he threw to Talakai, you know, to get that break on there. I'll say this. If Connor Tracy is playing centre there and he has Ronaldo outing, that's a try. That's not a shot at Talakai either. It's just he's not a genuine centre. He was filling in there. Um, every time Jesse Ramian got the ball inside the last 20 minutes, it felt like he was going to, you know, break 14 tackles or make a line break. He made all these metres in that last 20 minutes. I'm going to say this as well in terms of breaking tackles and making metres. Shani Katoa is fearless these days. That's true. Wrecking ball. Yeah, absolutely. Our forwards really stood up as well. If there's one player who loves bullying Parramatta, it's Junior Paulo. Uh, bullying Cronulla, Junior Paulo. Yeah. And Dale Finucane made it his personal mission to hammer him yeah. every time he got it. Mate, Paulo worries me because he's the exact big forward with an offload, the Fanua Blakes, that destroy us each and every time. And we held him. I actually thought he was quite disappointing looking at his stats because I would have thought going in, he's going to lead the metres easily and then the rest will go behind him. Papa Lee got a few metres on us, but um, do you remember him doing anything damaging during the game? Yeah, Papa Lee was absolutely incredible, not only with his runs and he's, he was targeting Moylan, but also his clean-up as well. Nico Hines put in... Uh, he went down the short side in the second half, put in that banana kick in there. Look, for all money, Will Kennedy was going to win the race to that yep, ball. Yep. And out of nowhere, Papali'i gets it. For mine, Papali'i was Parramatta's best player. Yep, yep. I just overshadowed, he overshadowed, you know, Reid Mahani, Clint Gutherson, Mitchell Moses. But Isaiah Papali'i was absolutely Parramatta's best player that night. Fantastic. So stuff you don't see at the ground, all that sort of stuff. You just see the... The stuff that comes out of nowhere. Like honestly, if you said like, hand on heart, how many half breaks did Nico Hines make? I would have said probably seven or eight. He looked like he was going through every time he, he ran the ball. He had the ball on a string in the second half. He had a, he had spiders on him. Now I've got it in here, Nico Hines. Now I was talking to Victoria on Twitter today. Uh, you know, staunch Parramatta fan, Victoria. Really good conversations about it as well. We both couldn't believe that Nico Hines got the three Dally M points. But watching the second half of Nico, like I said, obviously Blocker watched the game with his eyes closed. But what you know, having a look at this second half from Nico Hines, the line breaks, 
the, the ball that he, you know, the, the cutout balls that he was making, putting people through holes, Braden Hamlin, Newelli, get Toby Rudolph on the burst. That ball to Connor Tracy now, obviously he kicked the goal, and that's probably why Blocker gave it to him, but he wasn't our best player, but he was the best player on the field in the second half, and he was the match winner. Well, that's where it's got to come in. For mine, Dale Finucane was the best player in the park, but if you take Nico Hines out of that game, we don't win. So Yeah, absolutely. Dale Finucane was our best player. 90 from 90 tackles in two rounds, by the way. That is insane. Um, that is insane. Because normally when a Cronulla player makes 45 tackles, they've missed 16. Yeah, spot on. Um, Incredible. But Dale Finucane, I mean, this guy's a beast. Now, there's a question from Rich Osington. We'll get to the questions a little bit early here because this is a good one now that we're talking about uh, Dale Finucane. And he said, is it too early com- to compare the importance of Sharks signings between Dale Finucane and Luke Lewis? Oh, yeah. Yes and no is my answer. Yeah, I was yeah, – yeah. yeah. Look, yes, but – I think it's got the potential of being as important, absolutely. Yes, it's a bit too early, but no, it's not in the sense that Dale Finucane and his professionalism have really turned this, this team around. He's the exact... If, if you could say, like, pick anyone other than Turbo last year, you're taking Dale because he's exactly what we needed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely he was. Um, there was another question today that was put on Twitter and it was the best five locks so far in the competition. And I wrote back to the, the person, Dale Finucane, and he said, why? And I said, well, they're defending better than both of them. Like, the, out of all the players that you named, he's defending better, and he's making more metres per run than all of them, and his offloads are there as well. So if you're going to put in, you know, Cam Murray, who's been really disappointing, yeah. but you're say he's one of the best locks in the game, Dale Finucane's ahead of him. Yeah, I think in terms of form, maybe Isaiah Yeo is the only player that's in better form than Dale. Absolutely is. I think, you know, this was just the five best names in the competition who play lock, not who are the best five locks in the competition. And Dal Finucane is, is definitely at the moment one of them. And he's going to go to being the best prop in the competition soon because Cam McInnes, when he came on, didn't look like he missed a beat. No, he didn't. And I'm glad he got the little bit of time because obviously he wasn't ready to play big minutes. But the ovation for him when he came on was, um, was spine tingling, mate. It was like, the you know, E.T. had come back. Now, Cam McInnes came on. You and I were debating this the other night. You said he came on with 30 minutes to go. I said he came on with 20 minutes to go. He came on with 25 minutes to go. Ah. to win for both. Well, there you go, mate. <laughs> we were both kind of right. <laughs> um, 16 from 16 tackles. But there was something in the second half that I noticed from um, Dale Finucan, uh, Sorry, from Cam McInnes that is just such a high IQ play, right? Ball goes out to the left. Uh, Teague Wilton offloads the ball back to Matt Moylan. Moylan's skipping across the field to go right. Now, Cam McInnes is standing nearabouts to the defensive line. And instead of just standing there and making Moylan have to drop and take a tackle, McInnes sees what's coming and sprints through the line. What a man. Now, if Jerome Luai does that in round one, it's a try to Brian Toto. Very true. Such is the difference of... Like, the IQ of these two players in Cam McInnes and, and Alpha Nukin that we've picked up, not only are they defensive, defensively staunch, they're just they're smart footy players. Like we said it when we came in, uh, in the preseason. The Bulldogs signed overall better than us in terms of quality and quantity and names. But in terms of need, we have the exact three players that we need playing the positions we need, and not one of them has let us down. I know it's only two weeks in. But we're building a side. And the culture, mate, I don't know if you saw the article that, that came out. I think Brad Walter posted it 
on NRL.com, we had a culture day. And Katoa, who's known for being quiet, got up and was talking, you know, in his native language and was real confident and laughing and sort of dancing. I mean, you do you do that while our opponents this week are up on fucking sex charges. Like, the, the difference in culture between the two clubs right now and the majority of clubs is ridiculous. And that is just, it's good as a Sharks fan. It's fucking incredible to see. Yeah, the, the culture shift that you're seeing now is like the early, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s Broncos and the Melbourne Storm for the last 20 years, what the Panthers are bringing in now. And it's on the back of the players that we've signed, the players that we've re-signed, and the coach that we've signed as well, and the coaching staff we've brought around him. People bagged Josh Hannay last year. Yes, he's not a head coach. right? He's never going to be a head coach. But when you hear the boys talk about Josh Hannay, the respect that they have for him. We told stories about Steve Price flogging Jack Williams for having his shirt off because he wasn't an origin player. Like... These are the things. And I'll even say this, even though he was a bit of a dud for us last year, but Will Chambers, when he was making everyone put their shirts on when when the press was around to do interviews, it's just those kind of little bits of culture pieces. Now, I'm glad we don't have Will Chambers anymore because he's a bit of a nonce on social media. But, um, you know, it's just these little changes that you're seeing creeping in the club that eventually, you know, this is what breeds success. This is how teams win premierships. It is, mate. And I think it was Matt that pointed out it took Craig Fitzgibbon two days what Morris couldn't do in two years, and that's beat a top eight side at full strength. It was Richie, and I hate comments like that because we've just won our return game to Parramatta, and the first thing you want to do is go and shit on our old coach who's got nothing to do with the club anymore. But look, I'm yeah, fine look, with bagging I'm... Richie, but he's right. He is right. He, he, look, he's, he's absolutely right. But Josh Hannay did it last year as well. Yeah, but we beat Penrith with 30 plays. Still counts. But just saying. No, nah, look, I, I'm... We also I'm, beat the Dragons mm-hmm. when they were in the top eight. Like. Ah, it doesn't count. They're a shit team. But, we beat the Gold Coast Titans. They finished in the top eight. Again, no. I'm back in Rich here. Uh-oh. But I'm also equally okay if you want to bag Richie. Yeah, look, I'm equally okay if you want to bag Richie as well. Um, let's talk about the last 15 minutes of, of the match. Uh, the stint from Toby Rudolph was about the best 15 minutes he's ever played in a Sharks jersey. Yep, yeah, agreed. He was. You can see him coming from a long way because that mane as he gets going. But, mate, that guy hits the line. Like, he, his life isn't important to him when he's holding that ball. That's all that matters. Yep. And, jeezy, he made an impact. And his, um, his defense on the weekend was really good too. I, I can't speak to that in the last 15 minutes because I, I wasn't really paying attention to our defense. But... Mate, he's a wrecking ball. It, again, it's another season under a coach who has probably pulled him aside and said, hey, you got all the talent in the world, let's not waste it. And Toby's responded in kind. Yeah, Toby had 10 runs for 104 metres, made 34 tackles, missed four and had one ineffective. Um, now, I, I distinctly remember two of the tackles were on Junior Paulo and he made the initial contact and Dalfinukin came and swept the legs. And that was it. Right. So it counts as a missed tackle. But, you know, compare that to someone we're going to talk to, talk, talk about very shortly, but who's making poor defensive reads and missing shocking tackles. Mm. Well, if you want to jump straight in, mate, and uh, I'll um, yeah, I'll Toby's turn the final back. 15 minutes to charge it. What was that? Skype's all over the place, mate. Apologies to the viewers, the listeners. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, um, yeah, Toby's Toby's final fifteen minutes. He made he made the the twenty meter charge that got us the opportunity for um, Talakai. That's true. We had a quick play of the ball. Um, yeah, so but the final fifteen minutes and especially the final set. Now Connor Tracy returned that ball off the Mitch Moses kick like his life depended on it. Caught it eight meters out from the line, gets tackled thirty five meters out from the line. He dragged players with him when he hit. I went off a bit early saying that it had to be Mulatalo and Ikevalu. Man, Connor Tracy's like undroppable at the moment. Yeah, he is undroppable after that performance. I absolutely agree. Don't get me wrong, Ikevalu's done nothing wrong, neither has Ronaldo, but if you get your opportunity and you take it like Connor did, you, you, he deserves to be there. Yeah, and I mean, any like you could forgive him. There's a minute 30 to go when, or a minute 40 to go when he catches the ball. And you think, well, we've got to go 90 metres. He, you know, his head could have dropped and he could have just, you know, jogged the ball up. He sprinted, sprinted back, hit them and made eight post-contact metres. Brilliant. He's keen, isn't he? Little energiser, yeah. buddy. Now, the race stone penalty on Nico Hines. Have you seen that? Uh, no, I haven't. I We didn't know what it was for, but we were banned for a penalty. So I think it was justified. Yeah, it was, it was for a, a cannonball tackle. Now, it was textbook. He hit him around the ankles when two people had him upright. So it's a textbook cannonball tackle. Yep. Now, as I do at the end of games, I've gone and read Parramatta fans' comments on the forum, and uh, they can't believe that a cannonball is a penalty. They can't believe a cannonball, which is pretty much saying, hey, can I have an ACL, please, isn't a yeah. penalty. Well, that says yeah. everything you need to know about those pricks, mate. These are the same guys who are blowing up about us attacking the legs of Mitch Moses now. Obviously, T. Wilton's going to copy suspension. He's very lucky he's only getting one week. One week, sorry. We're putting our hands up saying T. needs to have a rest because that was shocking what he did to Mitch Moses. They're saying that's not a penalty. Textbook. Textbook penalty. Fair call, mate. I'll trust your word. There was no one blowing up at the game, and Parramatta didn't seem to be blowing up, which says everything because the game was on the line. But just regarding that Moses thing... Thank you for mentioning that. We must be the only club in the world to ever target a, a halfback. Like I, I can't believe no one's ever thought of this before to put pressure on on halves that have monster boots and try and force them into an error. Like why hasn't this been done for a hundred plus years? <laughs> now there's, there's a fine line between you know kick pressure and you know you, you have a look. The Broncos on Sunday stood there and watched Matt Moylan. Torment, oh, sorry, uh, what's his name? Matt Burton. Mm. Torment their back three. They put no kick pressure on. What T did was put too much kick pressure on. Now, I've seen people turn around and say, oh, but he caught him and he put him to the ground gently. Doesn't fucking matter. He was in the air, he took his legs. Do you think Steve Price meant to shatter Tony Kane's leg? Well, no, like, I these don't. These are the things that can happen. Yeah, look, it, it's a penalty, mate. I have no problem with it. We knew it at the ground. We were more frustrated that he gave the penalty away because it was a good defensive set and we were really on top and it surrendered the, the lead. But uh, no no, no issues with there. He has to serve a week. I actually thought he was going to get two. I, I don't know the gradings and stuff, but that looked like two weeks for me. So, Teague, we know you're listening, mate. Thank you. And put your shirt on when you're down Shelley Park Shop too. Um yeah, just enjoy your week off, mate, but let's let's leave that to the Broncos. He was hit with a grade two, um, but because he's never been suspended before or cited in the last three years, uh, he got away with a week on an early guilty plea. Now, it opens up 
an opportunity for another player we're talking about who has taken his opportunity with both ends, CeCe Vitalikai. We said that he was the ultimate Fitz project. He's back to 2020, Talakai. He certainly is, mate. He looked really, really good at centre the other day. Like you said, he lacks the, the speed of a genuine centre, but he doesn't lack the heart or the aggression. He was very hard to tackle. And before he moved to centre, I thought he was um, pretty good too. I went back and watched that game on your advice last week. You're right. I did mix him and Royce Hunt up a little bit. So, yeah, Talakai. Undroppable. Yeah, Talakai has like really taken to that, that bench spot, coming on and give us heaps of impact now. He's going to start, and our bench this week, um, you know, there's there's no there's no back rower on the bench. Uh, so, look, I'm happy. I'm happy that we've got. Um, I'm happy that we, you know, we're going to see Talakai in the squad. I'm not happy that Teague's not going to be there. There's one player who has been so disappointing this year at the moment. That's Britton Nakora. Absolutely right, mate. I spent all the preseason talking him up, saying he was going to be the ultimate. Fitz project, that he was going to learn to do more than run that Johnson line, and this was going to be his year. I, I, I'm i happy to admit that, and I still think there's plenty of potential there, but the opening two games, mate, that front foot hasn't been put forward. He's been, He looks more interested in talking to the Tigers than he does at making metres. Yeah, he has made 98 metres in two games. Now, there's there's two defensive plays this year that stand out for mine for uh, Britton Nakora. And that's the final try that Parramatta, uh, that Canberra scored against us. He rushed up and out of the line. And when he ran back, he ran to Jesse Ramey in centre spot, which created the gap for them to put Matt Smoko through. Not good. So, and then if you have a look at the Sean Lane try, Nakora sprints up. And now I thought this was just a great step from Sean Lane to Bamboos or Nico Hines. And I'm sitting there going, well, fuck me, Nico needs to like you know, Forward. get better defensively. And he does. He needs to get better defensively. But this is, the, you know, two games at NRL half with the Sharks. But Nakora sprinted out of the line and, and Lane just stepped into his gap. Ah, gotcha. Like I said, I haven't seen a replay of anything negative like that. But it looked like he stepped and the two the two defenders had no idea. We were right in line with where Sean Lane was. We were on that sort of corner. Um, those seats aren't bad, by the way, just, just for anyone listening who's, who's wondering about sitting with the boys next week. But... Uh, yeah, no, um, very disappointing from Nakora. A, a stat you mentioned, you know, he goes missing when, you, when you're coming out of your own end, and then suddenly when we got the ball in their 20s, oh, give it to me, give it to me. That's got to change. But he didn't even do that on the weekend. Like, how, how can a guy who's asking Cronulla for an absurd amount of money compared to the talent and the output that he's giving have 59 metres in the game where it was a forward battle? Like... Teague Wilton is three years younger than him and he's putting his hand up to run at Junior Paulo, Regan Campbell-Gillard, taking hard runs at Isaiah Papali'i. On the other side of the fence, Nakora's one-on-one with fucking Sean Lane. Yeah, it's, mate... If well, I'm, you... I'm confident matching up with Sean Lane. <laughs> he's big goober, the big Sean Lane. Look, I, mate, I can't argue yeah. with that. I, Britton Nakora's, you know, his efforts at a 9.5 out of 10. Nakora's is at a 3 or 4 and it's... You know, that one of them's off contract and wants big money, and you'd swear watching it that it was Teague. You'd even swear watching it that it was Talakai who was on the last year of his contract, the way that he's come out hungry. That's it, mate. Well, I'll tell you what, this is Talakai's chance because Teague's back in two weeks. Doesn't look like Wade's back for a little while, but um, there's a tough decision brewing, and I, I, Nakora's not making it all that tough, to be honest. 
He's absolutely not. And I would be really shocked after the two rounds watching that if Wade Graham came back, Nakora kept his position over Teague. And the only way that that might happen is if he uh, he wants to keep Nakora. Now, if I if I'm the coach looking at those two rounds and he's sitting there going, I can go and get 550k at the Tigers. I can take it. I'm not, he's not worth more than $400,000. And he's a typical Tigers player. I don't want to kick the shit out of the Tigers because I do that enough. But he's just a lazy, uninterested, unenthused player who's living off 10 good games in 2019. Highlights, mate. Tigers fans. Tigers officials. Highlights. Oh, cool. He's played a few good games. Oh, look at these tries on YouTube. I swear that's how they recruit. But yeah, very disappointing, mate. If, we, if, we, if he walks now... Compared to if it was in the preseason, I would have been devastated losing to Cora. Now, well, mate, I, I, well, I'm a big Teague fan anyways, but there's only one yeah. way to go there. Should we lead into that yeah, question, I, I, Terry, about the, the second rower? What was that? There's a question, I believe, I can't remember who it was from, about a second rower. There is. Let me just go through this right now. I've already got my answer, mate. I've done research. If Nakora were, yeah, were to leave, who's your ideal replacement for that right edge? Do you Teague Wilton. Well, Teague Wilton, yeah, but if we got to go to market, it's young Nanai, mate. Sign him up. If, it's, if we're going to market and we want a young player to join our squad, it's Nanai. If we want a veteran, I'm going to get Tarek Sims before he, he signs with Melbourne. Yeah, oh, jeez, him, him signing for Melbourne's a frightening sight, mate. That bloke hasn't played anywhere near his potential. No. Um, yeah, so, I I mean, that, that Nanai is an absolute weapon of a player. And I, I tell you what, if the Cowboys let him go, there's, uh, you know, if they let him walk, there's there's big concerns there because he, he has got star potential written all over him. As does our team, Wilton. Now, Teague's going to play for New South Wales and Australia. There's no doubt on that. I'm not sitting here shitting on Britton Nakora because I like Britton Nakora. I, I know what Britton Nakora can do. The problem is he doesn't do it nearly as consistent enough. And, you know, in the preseason against uh, the Dogs, he has the game where, you're like, if Nakora does that every week, he's not only being talked about getting back in that New Zealand team, but he's talked about being one of the best edge-running back rowers in the competition. Now, I'm looking at it going... He can't play for the Jets for the rest of the year. I don't care. Release him early. Like, I, I honestly don't care. It's fair call, mate. Well, I hope the boys show him this tomorrow and he comes out and has a real big game on the on Thursday night because it's his opportunity. I think he'd be marking up against Jack Bird from memory. So if he doesn't get over Birdie, it says a lot. There's another question here that says it's obvious that it's going to be a loss for the Sharks, but what are we looking for in their performance? It's not going to be a loss for the Sharks. And all we're looking for is that continued goal on defence and beating up our little brother. It is. They're definitely little brother now. It's not even up for debate anymore. What is your ideal third, your ideal 17 providing everyone's fit? I think uh, for Feeder and... Yes, yeah, the team as it is now, Feeder and Tolman drop out for Wade Graham and uh, Jack Williams. I don't care who starts and who's on the bench. Yeah, it's a fair call. Uh, you happy with Trindle yeah. in the 17 there? Yeah, probably just for a bit of utility value. Fair call. Look, I agree with that, yes. Um, but Trindle will probably be in the halves soon anyway More than ain't going to last the whole season No, did you see him um, go with the calf During the, the Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. If we go into market for another big signing Who would you want it to be? If it was to be a big signing And we were to spend a lot of money I want it to be Cam Munster yeah, Oh yeah, Munster's the, the yeah, Look, uh, a half I don't know who's available offhand But definitely a half uh, Cam Munster's available Who's that? 
Munster. Campbell is available. Uh, we'll see. Uh, look, I yeah, him. I, I would have said someone in the Katoni Stags mould, but he's having a shocking start to the season. So, yeah, I'd Munster for mine. But, uh, look, Nanai's got my eye at the moment, mate. I've got to admit. Uh, Wade on Britain gone at the end of the year. Who would you see replace them to ensure we're a top four team? Which positions should we be aiming to get? In my honest opinion, it's a centre prop and half. I really don't think we need to go to the market for a centre because Connor Tracy and Jesse Ramian can you know can do a job for us there as we've seen. Um, a prop we've already signed it in Oregon Kafusi, and that's on the proviso that Braden Hamlin Ueli signs. A half is what it is. We got about a one point five million dollars coming off contract between Wade Graham and Andrew Feeder, and I'm handing that to Ken Munster and saying the keys to the Shire, yours and Nico Hines. Let's go for gold. Five premierships, mate. I like the way you think. Now Munster's going to be whether he wants to resign for Melbourne or come up here. Bellamy, Craig Bellamy's available again. Do we go back in for him? No, he resigned for five years. Well, they said you got to let us know by the end of the year if you're going to. Come back next year, so I'd be I'd be having those words, but yeah, Munster is the dream. Uh, a couple of other questions that we have here. Forewarn signing targets. Who have you heard? Who do we believe we should target? Well, I'm I'm all in on the uh, Cam Munster and uh, Nanai and re-signings. What have you heard? And who do you value? Or what? I haven't heard anything about re-signings at the moment. I just don't want us to re-sign Brit Nakora. Look, Nakora is the so one. Like- yeah. For mine, the two players that are must re-signs are Jack Williams and Braden Hamlin-Newelli. Yeah, look, Williams, obviously, yes. I, I still think Hamlin-Newelli will end up at the, the Dolphins, unfortunately. But, um, look, Nakora is still in the maybe pile for me. I'm not going to commit as hard as you have. Uh, there's a few young kids there that are off contract that I'd like to re-sign. But you can't keep them all, and you've got to look after, you know, the top grade first. So, so I understand in that regard. Mate, it, a half. Let's just let's get a half. Unless Trindle just turns into a world beater, that's where all our attention should be. And I would go uh, Herbie Farnworth. Uh, again, he's re-signed with the Broncos, though. I heard... Oh, see, that sucks because he is the most difficult person to tackle in the game right now. Love him. Shame. Uh, and final question from Josh Bolling. How long do you think before Ken McInnes is starting... I don't think it'll be too much longer. I think he'll play more minutes this week, play more minutes the week after, and so give it three or four weeks he'll be starting. Round four for mine. I wouldn't be surprised if he starts this week, though, and runs out in the Dragons and gives him the old big toothless grin. Now, speaking of the Dragons, we play them this weekend, and the betting line is open. The Canal Sharks are $1.71, St. George's Award Dragons. $2.15. Obviously, the Dragons are in the headlines for all the wrong reasons, and it's not how disgusting their team is. Talk to me, Dan. It's how disgusting their front row is. Look, Burgess is a fuckwit, mate, but his brothers, and, and he has form. So you can't say they didn't, they didn't tell him that it was going to happen. Tarek Sims comes in, which I think is a huge in, and I cannot believe he hasn't been starting for them and playing big minutes. Um, nothing worries me about this side, mate. Last year, Matt Dufty worried me because he's the kind of prick that will just pop up out of nowhere and do something magic, as he did against us in round one from memory. But he's not there. You know, young Sloan, I suppose Sloan worries me. I take that back. But Mbai, Hunt, Amone, not really. They don't have the centers that can worry us. I don't think they got the forwards that can worry us. As long as we can smash Tyrell Sloan early, keep him out of the game, I think it's a comfortable victory. And I haven't been confident in saying that against the Dragons for a couple of years. Yeah, now look, the the Dragons have got, uh, you know, 
thing they do have is a lot of speed. Now you're right. I don't. I don't really rate Cody Rams. You don't rate Michaeli Ravalawa. Zach Lomax is okay. Uh, Moses Suley, you know, he's a big, strong body, but it's not a backline that you'd be terrified about. Amone is a good player, getting himself ready for the NRL. Ben Hunt, you know, can be dangerous and loves playing against us. But um, yeah, look, our forward pack should match them and and you know hopefully comprehensively beat them, which will give our backs and someone like Nico Hines and Matt Moyle and the. Uh, the opportunity as well, but, you know, Will Kennedy as well had a, you know, people said he had a quiet game on the weekend. If that's a quiet Will Kennedy game, give me that every week. I thought he was electric. He was one of our best players. Um, their bench, DeBellin, Kerr, Ford and Gachevsky. It's not a real good Dragons team. I think seventy is like long odds. You know, we're, we're, we're too high there. We should probably be around about the fifty mark in my opinion. Look, I'll be very disappointed if we don't win, put it that way. And Wollongong, it's not really a home ground that, you know, strikes fear in. It's a shitty home ground. It's disgusting and they've only got demandable toilets. But it's not it's not like a Brookvale where you think, oh, fuck, we've got to go to Brookvale. It's like, oh, cool, Wollongong. I wish it was at Cogra here, just purely selfish reasons, because I could go on the way home. But, mate, I'm not, I'm not worried. Those players you mentioned, they're all good players. Zach Lomax could turn up and be player of the game. So could Ben Hunt. You know, DeBellin could come off the bench and, and be a um, well, piece of shit. But, like, we got the players to match him. And 1-13 to 13 especially, we don't lose too many one-on-one battles. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people, obviously, as well, you know, and it's almost time to wrap up. I've seen a lot of people bagging the, uh, the Aiden Tolman staying in the team. If you don't understand what Aiden Tolman brings to our team right now, you probably need to watch him a little bit harder because he cleans up that defensive ruck like Dale Finucane does. Yeah, he's not a flashy player, mate, so people don't notice. Yeah. Uh, Dan, we're going to beat the Dragons. Are we going to beat them 1-12 to 12 or 13 plus? Look, I'll go 1-12 to because I think we'll be up by 14 and we'll let him score a, um, a little brother try to make him feel good about himself. But, mate... Yeah, so they're going to go and dob to mum that we, we bullied him in the backyard. That's it. This will be... This is the one... Last year I was confident going in, but this is the one. Whereas if we lose, I'll be really, really dejected. And uh, also, as well, just before we go, don't forget to watch Rugby League Outlaws Weekly. Like and subscribe. Uh, check out all our sponsors. Uh, I'm not going to go through and name them now because I'm just really tired. But Dan, you know what time it is? Hail Nico Hans. Hail Nico Hans. <laughs>